It's a brand new day, and we're putting the AM in American politics. We've seen the darkness of division and despair and are now jumping into the light of a bright path forward. Progress is here, and we're sharing its story with you, for you, all with the help of Signal Boost. Now, here are your hosts, Zerlina Maxwell and Jess McIntosh. Welcome to Signal Boost. This is Jess McIntosh. I am here with Zerlina Maxwell, and we are so excited to be joined by the fabulous Phoebe Robinson, author of the new book, and I love this title, Please Don't Sit on My Bed in Your Outside Clothes. Phoebe, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me, and thank you for the intro music. <laughs> I know. I hope you're awake now, because I am. Our, yeah, I was like, our, our, pro- <laughs> our producer did do that just for you. Okay. I appreciate it. So you have a new book out that has the most fabulous title ever. It is Please Don't Sit on My Bed in Your Outside Clothes, which I just, mm-hmm. just love. Yes, please, please normalize inside and outside wear. Um, okay, this book has everything. Like it's it's gender, it's race, it's interpersonal relationships, it's mental health. Like it's it's absolutely everything that we talk about on the show every day. Like, how did you decide what story you even wanted to tell? You know, I came up with this uh, this idea for this essay collection last year during COVID, and you know, I was inside all day and. You know, I was still working a little bit, but certainly not to the degree that I was. And, you know, books really sort of helped me stay sane and feel like there's some sort of sense of normalcy. And um, I was just thinking about a lot of this stuff. Like I was seeing the performative allyship following the murder of George Floyd. You know, I was sort of thinking about my boyfriend and I deciding to not have children, Uh, what it means for me to be a boss, especially during this time when everything is remote, like how do I lead and inspire my employees? Um, So all these things are sort of percolating in my mind. Um, And so, you know, whatever sort of like jumped out at me was what I I wrote down. And I ended up cutting two essays. I cut like 40,000 words. Like I really was like, writing a lot and then I'd be like oh this is kind of a turd let me cut this so this book (laughs) would just be really strong so that's how it was just tough it's like it had to be a really funny essay or really you know vulnerable or have something to say otherwise I I didn't include it it's amazing amazing that you had Um, the presence of mind to do that in pandemic I'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) I think one of the things that you said um and that I think is 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 really important to sort of unpack is the performative allyship after mm-hmm. George Floyd, because in a lot of ways, I I feel like at the, at the moment it was happening, I was like, okay, it, it, it seems to me that, you know, basically what it took is like the world to shut down for us to be inside for like many, many months, have absolutely nowhere to go. And then mm-hmm. white people will show up for the protest. Like they actually have no other activities to participate in. <laughs> today yeah there's only the protest that's only thing that's available to them and so they were like mm-hmm. well that's where we're gonna go that's where all our friends it's the are only at. thing you're allowed to instagram yourself <laughs> only, doing yeah, yeah exactly. I know. so so i feel like there was a there, i i was saying at the time and sort of joking at the time that like they were like all right fine well all we have to do today is protest for black people all right i'll sign me up and so i feel like there was a little bit of that but also the black square moment like there were a lot of there were a lot there were a lot of influencers that were posting a lot of infographics that i found questionable can you just uh, talk about that for a bit about what made it performative like what what at the because even at the time people were calling it out as performative 
Yeah, I think all of it. I was like, none of these people are really serious about this. None of these people are actually going to change actions in their lives that they cannot document. Um, mm. So to me, there, there was a lot of that where I was like, oh, you're this is just content for you. Um, so it was a mix of content. It was a mix of sort of this kind of, as I write in the book, like the revolution will not be Karenized. So there's just like an element of like, Oh, okay. I just realized racism is an issue. I'm going to just show up. I'm going to like say a couple of things on social media, go to a protest and like, it's all going to be solved. Like I remember seeing a couple of people online about the whole defund the police and like three, three weeks later, you see them being like, I cannot believe the police hasn't been defunded. And I'm like, did you really think because you showed up with minimal education and said defund the police it was going to happen in three weeks when there's been activists working on the ground you know what i mean it just was so ignorant and not well thought out and that's where i was like this is performative i'm like you guys are doing this and you you know speaking out about certain issues but then you're deciding to move into neighborhoods where you're gentrifying and pushing out lower income people and people of color so it's like how can you really be sort of down for the cause if you're doing things like that or you're only going to restaurants that where the chefs aren't people of color you know what i mean it's just was like so much nonsense and i'm glad that it was called out and here we are you know a little over a year later since the uh you know the George Floyd killing and it's kind of like back to back to normal for a lot. You don't see many of these people talking about this anymore. Yeah, facts. Yeah. No, I mean it feels like if the allyship doesn't come with listening to black women, like doesn't come mm-hmm. with with asking what they have done up until this point and how you can be helpful. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then just doing the thing that they tell you to do, <laughs> even if it doesn't involve posting to your social media, like then it's performative. Then it's just yeah. a white person deciding to put themselves into a space that, you know, d- shouldn't be centering them. Like, yes. What? Yeah. No, I, I was going to ask you why people are like that. But that's um, <laughs> that's that's not a fair question. Yeah. <laughs> <Philosophical> question. <laughs> I mean, I think, um, you know, oh, I don't know. I don't want to like diagnose anyone, but I think there is just an element of, you know, sort of feeling like, well, I'm going to try and and help, but I want everyone to know that I'm doing it. Yeah, and know that I'm on the right side of history and I'm one of the good ones. And there's just such a concern with sort of how their quote unquote work is going to be perceived rather than actually doing the real work that is necessary that isn't particularly fun, but um, is required to sort of dismantle systemic racism and all these institutions that are built to terrorize people of color. And, you know, that's a lot of work. And most people aren't equipped to do that work in general. And so I think people go for the easy wins. So that's like the black boxes, which they really thought was doing something. I'm like, what the F are you guys doing? Or... (laughs) They're like, I'm going to shop at this like black owned, like sport, like, you know, like streetwear place. You're like, okay, if you want to buy a sweatshirt, I'm sure they are happy for the the money. But I'm like, you think that's actually doing something is you buying a sweat? You know what I mean? It's just so simple. And it's just not, it's just not complex and it's not well thought out. 
So you talk in this in this collection about dating a, a white person from the UK. What 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 kinds of conversations are you guys having about like what happened last summer? Like I, I'm I'm just so interested in how the Black American experience with white people translates to somebody who did not grow up in in a country that is as fraught about its own history and weird about its own history as we are well i mean to be fair the uk is weird about their own history they are racist as hell as well you know i mean (laughs) just look at what happened with (laughs) Meghan markle i'm like y'all she is so light and y'all still (laughs) y'all are still (laughs) pressed I'm like, I knew some people here who were like, oh, I thought she was Italian. I'm like, people here can't oh even God. fucking tell that she's half. Oh, sorry for cursing. They can't even tell that no, she's half. No, it's serious XM. You're allowed. You're, you're allowed. allowed. Okay, great. I, this whole time I was like, don't curse, don't curse. Um, so I think, you know, I think there is, you know, for some um, people in the UK, they like to pretend as if racism is not an issue. My boyfriend, luckily, was not one of those people. He was like, yes, imagine. you don't. Yeah, he was like, the UK has their own screwed up stuff that's going on over here. And so I think for him, date I'm the first Black person he's ever dated. Um, and I think for him to see what was happening on the ground here in our neighborhood, like we had like outside our building, we had like a police sort of motorcade or whatever you want to call it, just going up and down the street. Like him seeing that stuff in person was just kind of mind blowing for him. And <laughs> He was there for me. He wasn't like, teach me about racism. You know what I mean? He was literally talking to his friends back in the UK and being like, because they were, a lot of his friends were kind of shocked. And he was like, let me break this down for you. And we got to deal with our own issues there. And so he really did the work of educating his friends and didn't ask me. And I am so appreciative of that. Yeah, that's Yeah, I hate it when people are like, what book should I read? <laughs> what what <laughs> what things should I study? I'm like, mm-hmm. y'all spend way too much time studying racism um, as opposed to like stopping your participation. Like, I, I mean, you yeah. know, you study up on, on, you know, black people are human beings, like basically what every book says. And then you still don't go out in your in your daily life and treat the black person in Starbucks like a person. Like that's the lesson mm-hmm. in the book. I mean, yes, it's important to learn about the structures and how the systems work and all of that. But like that's advanced level a little bit. You know what I mean? That the at the foundation level, I want you to be less of an asshole. That's like mm-hmm. part of it, a big part of it for me. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and sort of like, I, hey guys, I read Robin D'Angelo's White Fragility and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, you just bought that last week at Barnes and Nobles. Just, just stop. Like, it's so ignorant. Um, and I'm just like, these books you can just stay forever in this place where you're just reading and highlighting stats and, and brand new information as though black people have not been saying for decades, hey, stop killing us. This is racism. This is horrific. This is trauma. And so I'm just sort of like, you don't, you honestly, you don't need to read any more books. <laughs> I'm like, you just don't. I'm like, stop reading the books. Stop posting, you know, a my Angelou quote. Like, we, I'm so done. We don't need it. Don't need it. Oh my god, the my Angelou quotes are killing me. They're killing <laughs> <Too> much. <laughs> it's always the wrong can, people posting them. Oh well, yeah, yeah. 
That's usually it's actually it's a pretty good indicator right there. <laughs> yeah, really <laughs> sort of a little, a little bit of a slip showing moment. Um, I want to ask you about mental health because I think you make a really important point that we don't talk at all enough about. Because like as we're having this sort of national conversation about the importance of mental health and everybody's having breakdowns left and right and like no one's mental health mm-hmm. is okay and you know we're all talking about like self-care in a real way not in a like yoga way like in in an actual way you you're making the point in this book that taking care of your mental health requires disposable income Mm -hmm. and like that's that's not a part of this conversation yet so i would love to open the floor to you to start it yeah i mean i in the book i I sort of just kind of I think we're all trying to figure out life and get through things and it's really hard. And so when I, you know, wrote in the book about how, Hey, I started therapy during COVID. I wanted to be clear about the fact that like, I'm in a financial position where I can afford to go to therapy every week. And I think, you know, a lot of times the healthcare system is not designed for the average person to be able to afford to use the resources provided. And so I didn't want to just like, just go to therapy if you're stressed out and move on. Like that's not, you know, a, a, a luxury of mine that I have. And so in writing that essay, I'm just kind of, as much as I love the self-care industry and I have a candle burning in my office as I speak, um, I think because it's so unaffordable for a lot of people, a substitution for that that's being pushed on people um, by a lot of these companies is like, just buy a candle or buy a notebook or get a mani-pedi and like, that'll make things better. And I'm like, sometimes, yes, taking care of yourself like that is nice, but that is not fixing the problem. Clearly, if if candles were, were fixing the problem, we would all be, we would all be thriving. You know what I mean? We'll all be like, thank you so much, Diptyque. I bow down to you, but that's not the case. And so- what I'm really trying to get across is like, I want the healthcare industry to actually change and make things affordable for people so we can get the help that everyone needs. Um, But of course, you know, everything comes down to money. So that is why we're in the situation that we're in. But I really want, I really want sort of these businesses to stop pushing this surface level. If you spend money, you'll feel better by buying our products. Cause right. I think that that is a slippery slope where you have all these things in your apartment, you have all the crystals and all the, what have you, and you're still in the same place you were six months, nine months, two years ago before you bought any of this stuff. Well, it's exactly the way they try to sell us clothes and makeup. Like the reason why you don't feel mm-hmm. good about yourself is because you don't have the right clothes. You don't have the right makeup. You're, you know, mm-hmm. you, you're not spending, you're not spending hundreds of dollars getting your hair to look a certain way. Like we we're sort of, we're, we're we've caught on to that like we sort of yes. get that and like you can tell because beauty brands are switching it up now it's like you're great the way you are but you know here's how to clean your skin whatever yeah <laughs> it, it's like but it's like that ethos just moved right over to self-care so it's like if you're feeling bad about yourself it's your fault buy this candle get a bubble bath mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and they just took the exact same thing that had been working in like capitalist feminism in the one industry and moved it on over to the other and you know, they got the customer base followed. That's a damn shame. It is. That's a great point. I love how you connected that. Jess. <laughs> well, you said Jess. It, and I'm really like, I, I recognize <laughs> really what you're saying. Like, I recognize <laughs> that thing from fashion, from, you know, mm-hmm. you got to have your eyebrows right. Like, now you got to yeah. have, now you got to have your mantras <laughs> and your crystals and, 
it's never going to be enough. <laughs> never, no, never no, no, going to be enough. I, I feel like we're all, because like, I mean, at the root of it, isn't it just capitalism, though? It's like, it's like there's all these other things that are related, right? That also make it terrible, like patriarchy and white supremacy mm-hmm. and all of it. Because we were talking earlier about missing white woman syndrome because of the Gabby Petito case in the news and the fact that like 710 of indigenous women in, have gone missing in Wyoming um, and uh, or people. We do not know their only, names. Only men. We don't we don't even know their names. Um, but yeah. like nobody even talked about that um, at the time or now. I mean, now would be a good time to maybe talk about that. Um, but we haven't. Um, and I just think that like it's all stupid. Like it, it's they're, they're teaching all of us in different ways that we're inadequate and that we need to buy things to make ourselves feel happy. And everybody's walking around empty. Everyone. Yeah. And it's just sort of and people are kind of they feel duped. They're like, well, I was told that if I get do get into self-care, I would feel better. And so I think people are not only unhappy, they feel disappointed as if they've done something wrong. And it's like, no, we're all just victims to marketing. I mean, you know, these advertisers, they know what they're doing. And um, I think that a lot of people are hurting. And when you don't have the resources and you don't have the money, it's like, well, how do I fix anything? It's, It's hard to feel hopeful in those moments. So, you know, I mean, for me, I just I feel like do whatever you can within your range uh financial range and i know there are places like the loveland foundation that um rachel cargill started that has resources um that i think make self-care um and mental health something that's accessible for everyone um and so i feel like if you could find a place here or there that allows you to be able to take care of yourself um with whatever money that you have i think seek those places out they exist um and i mean still buy a candle i like the candle too but like make sure you're doing so uh, you're able to do something a little bit deeper than the candle purchase (laughs) how how are you because this is like it's a it's it's a book about a lot of hard topics but it's also a really fun it's a fun read like how are you accessing joy in this moment how are you doing that Oh, that's a great question. I mean, um, I think one things that I've been doing is I've just um, been sort of watching a lot of fun TV. Like I was rewatching Friends and that was just like a nice way to sort of decompress at the end of the day and just be like, oh, these are I know these storylines inside now. And it's so great just to rewatch that. Um, I think my boyfriend's been great. He's on the road working. He's on, um, he's touring with a rock band. Um, so, you know, we do our daily FaceTime check-ins and hang out and catch up and make each other laugh and, um, reading. I've been picking back up reading again, even though I've been kind of slammed with work and that's been great. Cause you know, I get to, I don't want to say escape, but I get to just like look at something yeah. that's different and get outside my head a little bit. So those have been the three ways that I've kind of found joy and space to sort of just be oh, I like solid watching ones. things that you know the storylines that's so comforting mm-hmm. there's something about that feels like a warm blanket that just came out of the dryer or something you know what I mean like it's just <laughs> it's like so, so familiar true. Like, oh, so, feels so good mm-hmm. it, it just makes it's like nostalgia like wrapped in I don't know 
joy. Yeah, <laughs> there's something like. very comforting about knowing that you're not going to be surprised. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> just real. feel like, oh, it's all going to work out okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. And that's True. that's sort of the energy that we need right now. The it's, oh, it's yeah. all going to work out energy. Phoebe Robinson, the book is Please Don't Sit on My Bed in Your Outside Clothes. Everybody should buy it. Thank you so much for hanging out with us this morning. This was super fun. Thank you. You guys are so delightful. And this was a thank great you. way to start my day. So thank you. Amazing. Oh, I'm so glad. Thanks for listening to the Signal Boost podcast. We'll be back tomorrow with more news.